Hello everyone, I have a treat for you today. I am with my friend Troy Simpson here in Danville, Virginia. We're at the National Haas or H-Tech Center and man, if you guys could get inside of Troy's brain, it is, there is so much significance to what we've been talking about and I wanna share some of this with you. This is The Gun Show. Troy, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, sure, Tony. Glad to have you. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. It's, been, it's good to see you, too. It's been a couple of years, but we have a, a little bit of a relationship knowing each other through Air Turbine, I believe. Yeah, yeah, sure. It goes back several years and always been a great supporter of what we're doing here in, in Danville, Virginia with advanced manufacturing training, so it's good to see you back in Danville again. It's hard not to be a massive fan of what you're doing here. and. Um, you know, I have the great privilege to stay in touch with Jason Wells as well, who we'll get to talk to. And uh, he's had nothing but really exciting things to say about what you're creating and accomplishing and all the movements that this general area of Danville and, and you know, middle southern Virginia is, is starting to create and create recognition on not just a local scale, but on a national scale, which I think I want to start with where does all this inspiration come from? Where do you come from, Troy? What kind of background do you have that creates this motivation and drive to do what you're doing? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's obviously a, a rich history here. I've, obviously, this is my home uh, community. A um, little bit about my background. I, I started out my career as a machinist um, out of high school. I, you know, I was a farm kid, uh, made my living on a farm. I aspired to be a farmer. And as the uh, farm economy started to, um, uh, wasn't a real clear pathway there how I was going to make a, a really good living. So, um, kind of tell you a little brief story. My my uncle that um, I spent a lot of time with uh, was a machinist at uh, at that time we called Babcock and Wilcox, which is uh, still a, a facility here in Lynchburg, Virginia, in the region uh, that produces the uh, nuclear power components for aircraft carriers and submarines. And I always felt like he made a great living. Uh, I saw the quality of life that he and his family experienced, and I thought that may be a great pathway for me. So uh, I, did, I enrolled in the local Danville Community College, had a rich history in teaching machinists from back in the 1930s, uh, and, and entered that program as, when I was about 20 years old. Um, and so as, as I was discussing with you a little earlier, uh, one of the interesting things was when I started machining, it's something I kind of fell in love with. Um, and so as I progressed through that training program, I was fortunate to uh, be part of a co-op program that I went to work for in, in a, a year co-op for the um, Department of Defense at the uh, Naval Surface Warfare Center in Dalgan, Virginia. Um, and during that, during that transition time, um, I started thinking about, you know, this would be a really cool profession, not only to be a machinist, but teach machining. Uh, so I talked to the, one of my instructors, who's uh, John Forney, years ago, and I said, you know, Mr. Forney, um, what would it take to, to get you a job when you retire? Uh, and I was a student at that time, and so um, as fate would have it, uh, I went out and went through the traditional apprenticeship program, but got my journeyman's card as a journeyman machinist, and um, started teaching some at the local community college at Danville, um, and part-time at night uh, in some of the night classes teaching CNC. And when, um, when John Ford retired, I was fortunate to get his job. So I spent about, um, 25 years of my career, uh, a, a little less teaching CNC machining, and then I moved into a role at the community college as, as a director to start looking at how we grow these programs and, and build a robust pipeline around skilled workers, skilled machinists around advanced manufacturing. Um, and as that program took off and we started 
uh, working more from a regional, from a local to a regional aspect of how we grow a, a robust skilled workforce in Southside Virginia. It was a logical transition to move to the Institute for Advanced Learning Research, which is a, an organization that supports um, a, a larger region than just the Danville, Pennsylvania County area. So, um, so now that this is the newest division at the Institute, which is the Advanced Manufacturing Division, where we're really focused on um, scaling the workforce, providing uh, support for manufacturers in the region uh, to uh, remain globally competitive, and just give them that wraparound service that we need to make sure that manufacturers in, in, in Virginia have the resources they need to be globally competitive and to sustain those operations long term. You mentioned that you mentioned that you were in school when you already asked, what can I do to get your job? I believe yeah. you mentioned you were a freshman. I was. Uh, to me earlier. That's, that's, first, that's remarkable. And then, while we were talking a little while ago, another stat stood out to me when you were talking about this situation, which is that most machines run at 40% of capability, right? And, and we, can, we can up that by training people in an effective way. Yeah, that's been a, a, a real goal of ours is to, we started looking at uh, this region, as I told you earlier, lost a tremendous amount of jobs. We had, a, um, you, you know, this community since the, the uh, 19th century has been uh, a, a strong manufacturing community. It used to be the economic engine of the whole state years ago. And just uh, as, as many communities have felt that pinch when textiles and tobacco and wood production and furniture production uh, started to be, uh, the the sands moved, so to speak, and those, those jobs started to be located in other parts of the world, uh, we experienced a, just a, a tragic loss of jobs in a very short period of time. And so as a result of that, we started saying, well, what are our core strengths? We know we're, we are a manufacturing community, and how do we provide our citizens and our, our next generation to, uh, the opportunity to, to uh, acquire the skills they need uh, around more of the advanced manufacturing, um, high-precision components, uh, medical device, aerospace, defense, uh, with a real focus on growing that sector and, and retooling our citizens and communities with the skills they need to, to be competitive in that market. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've, we've made a, a, a tremendous amount of progress in, in that regard to, uh, to say what, what is it that we're, that we're charged to do, and that is to make sure that manufacturers in this region can be globally competitive and can sustain the operations with, with a core focus on workforce. Right, and you have really done an excellent job of kind of getting this program as early as sixth grade into some of these schools, right, and up to 17 different schools at this time before yeah. coming into your local uh, tech center. Yeah, this, this strategy started, Tony, about eight years ago um, when we started looking at how can you grow one capacity uh, because we knew we had to grow a, a, a level of workforce and from a capacity standpoint to not only meet the needs of our local and existing industry, but how could you grow that to the point to grow that industrial base and have excess capacity of skilled workers to have that growth opportunity. Uh, in order to do that, we knew that we would need to start introducing um, our students at a much younger age to the exciting world of manufacturing. Uh, so the, the strategy for that was is to go into our middle schools in the region and put relevant technology in those classrooms, contextual learning, applied hands-on learning every day that they actually have that hands on the tools of the trade. Uh, and we, we realized that it needed to be very relevant, uh, such as putting uh, the Haas tabletop meals for a sixth grader to be coding 
on the exact same programming, on the exact same control they will be like on this UMC uh, when they're in a uh, 19 years old in a third year capstone program. Uh, so it's, it's a very much a strategy around how do we introduce at a much younger age, how do we expose more students at a younger age by the thousands, not by the hundreds, and let those students explore the world of manufacturing. So we've been very successful in the program through a program called GoTech, which is a great opportunities in technology and engineering careers. Um, it's a state of Virginia sponsored event through the Go Virginia initiative to, to put that technology in the classroom, let them explore, let them learn uh, at a very young age and understand what the pathway looks like from the sixth grade all the way through the university if that's what, if they want to become an engineer. Um, and to connect them, not only the technology, but to connect them to the jobs in the region and the pathway of how to get there. So that has been very successful that, uh, like I said, in the larger region, it's uh, in the fall, it'll be about 17 middle school programs with that technology in it, with the teachers trained to deliver that technology. Uh, eight, eight focus areas around manufacturing, from robotics and automation to CNC machining to metrology to additive manufacturing. Um, and so what that allows us to do now with this, the, the capacity in middle schools is to expose this technology to about 7,000 students a year. Um, we know if we can expose them earlier and they find something they fall in love with and can understand why is math important, because trigonometry is important, because if you're going to code a CNC machine tool, you need to understand trigonometry, right? right? So uh, we're starting to connect all the dots and, and to, uh, to grow the pipeline. Uh, so we started making those initial investments in high school programs. We moved back to the middle schools. Now we're filling some gaps in the middle. We've developed community college programs in manufacturing CNC all the way up through this facility. We're currently in the Gene Haas Center for Integrated Machining Technology. Uh, which is um, a third-year community college program, which is very unusual in the nation to have a community college can offer a third-year capstone program. For graduates of community college CNC machining programs throughout the region can come here for an a, a accelerated seven-month model that allows them to earn an additional associate degree uh, in integrated machining technology, which focuses a lot on leadership, on lean principles, on change management, and on advanced machining uh, capabilities such as as five axis machining. So uh, we're trying to close all of those gaps from a very young age all the way to the manufacturing engineer uh, so that this region has that skilled workforce that we need long term. That's, that's a remarkable plan. I like it. And I, I know it takes time to implement something like that, but it's definitely the right way to go, I believe. Getting them interested, the, the kids at a young age, and how quickly I believe you can take some, some classes while you're in high school, so even when you graduate high school and move into the tech center, you already have credits ready to move forward, correct? Yeah, that, that's a program in the state of Virginia we call dual enrollment. So what that actually does is allow students, if you have the rigor of the program in the same curriculum, you can offer community college level courses while they're still in high school. Wow. So those investments to do that, we invest about $1.2 million in each high school machining program to make sure that they have the equivalent, equivalent technology in the high school programs that they do have access to in the community college. The way that model works is a junior and senior in high school, seven, 16, 17 years old, go a couple of years for a half a day. Uh, they're bused to a Korean Technical Center or the local high school. Uh, and then they have the opportunity to, to earn college credits in precision machining while they're in high school. So what that means for a student, if they participate their junior and senior year, they're in 40 college credits, about half of the, the degree program while in high school 
transitioned to the community college after graduating from high school and in nine months they finished a two-year degree program at the community college in nine months. Therefore, the second year of the community college experience, they go to the Gene Haas Center for that third year program. So what we've been able to do is, if you really look at the model, we take a student who, um, after two years after high school, has about 110 college credits, multiple national NIM certifications, uh, and what we consider their job ready to go out and make a difference. Um, so the, what we're seeing in this model is, is we, we have all those entry and exit points if a student wants to go to high school and they don't have uh, maybe life deals with a situation where they can't continue on the community college, then they have base skills that they could go out and be an operator potentially mm -hmm. in a manufacturing facility. They go through the two-year program, they get more advanced skills, they go in entry-level setup, operation, and programming. If they want to continue to pursue that passion, then they can come here to the Gene Haas Center, and then they can focus on those leadership qualities and, and understand the, the economics behind manufacturing and why change is important and how to drive change and so forth. So we, we've kind of set that structure up to where we, we're touching it at all levels of the technology that they'll be exposed to. That's, it sounds like a plan that should be implemented nationally, in my opinion. It just seems like manufacturing has a gap or at least had a gap for a good amount of time where we should get more people into this field because it's a great career so it looks like you're it sounds like you've got a plan from sixth grade moving on into high school into these tech centers but what about the guys who maybe are in their mid-twenties or have come back from the military and are looking for work and maybe need some certifications or something like that as well are you able to support them also yeah you know right now it's a it's a, a real core focus of ours here in the Danville region uh, we are we actually right now under contract with the Department of Defense uh, because there's a huge need for skilled workers in the defense industrial base, which is anything from major OEMs of ship and submarine construction to aircraft construction down to the supply chain tier one, two, and three. Uh, so what we've um, engaged with now, uh, we're under our first contract to develop a short-term training program accelerated for adult learners uh, in four key areas, CNC machining, welding, uh, metrology to include non-destructive testing and additive manufacturing technicians. Uh, what that program is designed to do is to charge this pipeline uh, in for the for the U.S. industrial base, defense industrial base. So we are right now um, in the process of uh, launching that training in the spring. Uh, onboard our first 36 students. We will train those at a very accelerated pace, give them the base skills they need, and then help them put, you know, locate them, help them to uh, uh, locate a job. Uh, with all these manufacturers that are in desperate need of this, especially for this major buildup and, and ramp up in, in ship and submarine construction. And speaking with you earlier, you kind of blew my mind. Now, I want to say this out loud. If it needs to be edited, we'll edit it. But you mentioned that it's actually a national security risk right now that we can't build things as quickly as they need to be built due to the lack of manufacturing engineers that are in the workforce and so something like this is going to help with that growth and support as well right it is that's uh, for the first time in, you know this is just this is public knowledge it's presidential executive order uh, there's a very a, a, a deep concern about um, if we cannot supply enough skilled workers in the defense industrial base will we be able to build the technology and capability that our military needs to defend this nation um, so that, that is something that we are heavily engaged in uh, to be part of the solution to, to providing the number of skills because 
The defense industrial base doesn't need hundreds of workers, they need thousands of workers. Uh, if you look over the next 20, 30 years with the attrition and retirements and the, the major buildup in some of the uh, areas, um, and the, I should say the lack of people going into manufacturing as a career, uh, we, we've got to find another way to get, provide people with opportunity. So we've, um, I, I think we've positioned ourselves with a, a lot of the work that we've done over the past 15 years to be able to, to deliver that type of instruction. Uh, and, and we are determined to be a, a player um, and, and be part of the solution that this country needs to make sure that our defense and our, and our military men and women have the, the tools and technology they need to defend this nation. Uh, that's. It brings a single tear to my, it brings me joy is what I'm saying. It brings me a lot of joy to hear the type of passion that comes from you, Troy, and I've known you a while. It's good to see you helping kids adapt to the possibility of this type of future. It's great to see, you know, ex-military come in and have the possibility of creating a stable career for their maybe family or future family, whatever it might be. And it really sounds like from what you're describing that you are offering rural kids or even city kids if necessary an opportunity to stabilize their life and stabilize their family with a career that can last forever i mean you're talking about yeah. thousands of jobs right yeah that, that's right and, and you know tony for me i, I would you know i guess I, I take it a little personal because i was that kid um from a rural area that um uh, one of six children my dad was the only one worked he worked in the uh believe it or not in the in the wood manufacturing but he, he was a tool maker um, and, and actually uh, pursued a career in, in selling tooling. Hmm. But um, I know what this career path provided for me. It's, it's, I think it's one thing that most people don't understand in manufacturing. Um, when you enter into manufacturing, you may enter as a, as a, as a machinist or a welder. Uh, 15 years later, you may be a manager, you may be an engineer, you may be a salesperson, you may be a, a, you know an application engineer or, or, or selling our turbines, right? Right. So, um, <laughs> I think that's, that's what drives and motivates me because I see so many uh, people out there in our community that can benefit uh, if they just only gain this knowledge because mm -hmm. we understand the power of knowledge. So uh, what we're trying to do, uh, the, the reality of it is, you, a lot of people say, well, why do you do all this? It's about people. Um, you know, people is what turns the wheel. You know, manufacturing doesn't happen without people. And so if we make sure people have what they need, then the community will remain strong, we'll be successful, we'll have a long-term viability here. Mm -hmm. But that, that is really what uh, we really focus on. How do we provide opportunity for the next generation to have a sustainable living and to make sure the community thrives? And we feel like that one, we know that uh, this, this, this path that we own will lead to success at the macro level and micro level all the way down to that individual that builds a house and raises a family. That's right. You know, I was driving on the way here and I had some people ask me, where are you going today? Who are you going to go talk with? And I tell everyone, I'm going to talk with the mayor of Danville. <laughs> now, there's a little bit of jest in that, but what you just described is the passion that comes out to everyone, right? Like, you want to take care of people. You're, you're, you grew up in the industry. Your dad, you talked about tobacco earlier, this area being you know, massive on tobacco and textiles, and then a lot of that disappeared. So you saw the wealth and then the disparity, right? Yeah. You, you were a part of all that. So to see you implementing what you're doing has not been overnight, has it? No, this has been, a, this has been a years and years of, of, of planning. And I would note that this is not this initiative is not Troy Simpson. This is a whole community that has come together, from community leaders to college presidents and the, the executive director at the institute and the staff and everybody buying into the vision 
uh, elected officials and um, understanding wh what is it that we're good at. We, mm -hmm. you know, we know we're good at manufacturing. Uh, we just got to give the kids the skills they need for modern manufacturing, right? So mm -hmm. as I always said, you know, when a storm comes in, the sand shifts and it moves, right? So sand moved on us a little bit and we, we responded to that. Uh, but I think part of the strategic intent of this whole thing, Tony, is this is um, we know that manufacturing is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's components that will be, always be made in America. Um, there's high consequence components, high value components. And we want to prepare this community for the long haul. So we, we, this is not a short game we've played. Um, it's, it's been going on for years. Uh, we're not taking our foot off the throttle. Uh, we, we, we are actually, yesterday was in a strategic planning session. What do we look like five years from now? Because we know if we look like five years from now, what we look like today, we're irrelevant again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's a, a, just a drive and a, and a determination to make sure that we pass this on to the next generation. They understand why it's important and hire smarter people than I am and let them take it and run with it, right? So that's kind of the strategy for this whole thing. That's a good strategy. It's the same one I use when I'm trying to surround myself with clever people that's as exactly well. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> um, you were talking about, you know, you had your meeting, right? I, I believe that at the top of that checklist was bringing in technical or, you know, engineering type people to be a part of this workforce. It was the number one thing that was missing, right? Yeah, that's, uh, you, you know, if you, if you start looking at, and we started doing some evaluations of industry, and we just started asking a lot of questions. One of, I think, our strengths is, is we don't tell industry what they need. Mm -hmm. We ask them what they need. It's in, in the world of education and training, it's very important to be very connected to, to your business, right? So I've always said we're in the business no different than uh, a company's making airspace parts. Our product is skilled workers. And to, to have a product that people is willing to invest in, uh, they've got to be, they have to have value. And so we really focus on the quality of training, what are we training, what is the next emerging technology, how do we uh, prepare the next generation. So when we start surveying the industry, we like, where do you see this thing going? Where, what do your skill workforce look like? But more importantly, what does it take for you to remain viable in a community? What is, what is your biggest concerns that keeps you up at night about the sustainability of business? And if you really peel that back, what you will find is one of the things that keeps them up most is skilled workforce. You know, will we be able to sustain this operation and grow it? We, we talk to companies that can't grow because they can't hire enough workforce when we travel around the country. And I hear it over and over, um, industrialists telling me, you know, we could grow our business, but we just can't hire enough people to grow. So. We thought, well, that's the way we think about things. That's an opportunity, right? If, if workforce is your opportunity to grow, in Danville, Virginia is where you can grow. So our strategy is, is, is identifying on that risk register what is the greatest risk manufacturers have, and that's the fear of not being able to hire skilled workers or replace skilled workers. So this is not that one and done. This is not that we'll ramp it up and and shout victory. This is that thing, if it's a very strategic plan of how we, we grow and continue to add value of what we're doing and, and being able to deliver that to value to our industrial base. Absolutely. And you have been traveling around speaking with a lot of people, you know, pretty evangelical about how amazing this program could be. I, I know locally you've done something that's quite unique in bringing, 
you know, opposite-sided politicians together, the education system, the, the financial system. You brought it all together to have one like mind, and that seems to be something that might be difficult in other areas. What would you say to a global audience if you yeah. could say, if we could all believe in you know, this type of plan, the type of things that we could grow that go along with it, what would you say to someone who has some questions about how to implement it in their city or town or, or how to grow something similar to what you're doing? Yeah, you know, Don, it's something that a lot of communities have reached out to us about, of saying how did you all bring that many stakeholders together around a common vision? Um, and I will, I will say that's the most difficult challenge of this entire initiative is helping people to understand why it's important. Um, I, I'll tell you something, it's, it's kind of funny in a sense, but one of our, uh, our community leaders uh, shared with me one time, he said, you know, if, if, if we have a goal to do something and we don't get it done, it's just because it's our lack of and, and our inability to communicate. Right, so, and, and I, I've, I've laughed at that a number of times because it was a very, uh, intriguing thought and when you pondered a little bit how do you bring people together right how do you under one common vision it's the ability to communicate the message and what is that message is the message is you know it, it was like one part the message is are we going to make investments in our community and people to make sure that they have a better place to live and a place to sustain manufacturing um, there was a question asked one time, and I, I think this is uh, with a, a very um, wise industrialist, and I think this would be my message to a lot of communities. It takes a, a tremendous amount of funding, you know, over $80 million of investment gone into manufacturing training and manufacturing support. Uh, and the question was asked to a local industrialist that said, you know, if we make all of these investments, tens of millions of dollars of investment in workforce development. Very few communities ever do that. And he said, what happens if you make these huge investments and the students that you train leave your community and go to other communities? And his response was, would you prefer to invest in them and they leave or not invest in them and they stay? And that was an aha moment mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a meeting I'll never forget. And it's like, we're investing in people, we're investing in opportunity. If the opportunity comes, they'll stay. If the opportunity's not here, they'll have to go, right? Mm -hmm. But we're giving them a tool they need to be successful no matter where they go. So it, it is, Tony, a real balance in communities because every community looks at the investments they're making, how is it gonna impact that, com that community and that state? Um, so it, it is a real balance, but to be able to communicate why that's important for the state, why it's important for the nation, why it's important for parents and students. Um, I think that's something that we've, we've learned along the way that um, this, the, the communication link is very important, but also, you know, facts never lie, right? So um, when you start looking at salaries and the growth of manufacturing and the opportunities, and, and so it, it, it's really, it's, it's a business case, it's not hard to sell if you, really understand the value proposition of manufacturing and the multiplier that's associated to it. Right, right. It, I've heard that same, not same exact, but very similar discussion internally at businesses. You know, if we're going to train someone, do you want to train them to maybe stay and give them an opportunity? 
or, or do you live in fear that they might leave and do you want to keep someone that's untrained? It's the same situation for communities, for businesses. It, it kind of snowball effects in that, in that same, man, Troy, I have so many, I could sit with you for hours, I think, and just talk and talk. Um, you mentioned earlier, and, and I think this is relevant because COVID has done some unusual things yeah. for a lot of people this year, right? And we've seen, due to it, a lot of reshoring back in the U.S. And going back to that 40% of manufacturing capability on a machine, some people not running aluminum fast enough or not going deep enough in their steel or whatever it might be in these tricks and tactics to make something and machine something better. There's a lot of reshoring going on and the educational programs that you guys are doing here, the goal is to make that 40%, either double it or bring it to 100%. So now we can do a lot of that manufacturing domestically without having to worry about the lead times and maybe the mistakes or the material cost of going from international country to international country. A lot more we can do here if we get 100% out of these machines, right? Yeah, you know, it's a very valid point. We, I, I'll, I'm a storyteller, so I'll tell you something very interesting. When, when we launched this new facility here at the, the Gene Haas Center, um, when we had our grand opening, uh, Gene uh, come to the grand opening and was part of the celebration of this new Integrated Machine Technology Center. And I'll never forget this conversation. Right here in this training bay, uh, Gene looked at me and said, the reason that we are making this kind of investment in this facility with you know, the naming rights, you know, to, to name the facility, a lot of entrustment equipment that's provided for, you know, to keep our equipment modern uh, routinely. Um, the reason we're doing this, we want you to teach 100% of the capability of the machine tool. And we said, that's our goal. Uh, why that was, Gene's comment was so significant was because as manufacturers and industrials, we know, we see, no matter where we travel, we always run into uh, we see operations and manufacturing uh, capabilities that we just see that there's capability in the machine that's not being used. What a tragedy because you've invested in that capability and then you start asking manufacturers, you start having these conversations, why would you not be using that technology? And they'll say, because we don't have skilled people to do it. We, have, we just don't have technicians that have the skill set to do that. Or they don't understand modern tooling or modern tool paths or how to you know, use a probe inside of a machine. So one of our co core focuses here for our advanced level training programs is to expose students to the advanced world and the technologies in the machines because we are absolutely convinced if we use the technology that we purchase, we will be globally competitive because the same machine, as I said earlier, the same technology, set it wherever you may want to in the world, um, it's a piece of machine and it's a process. But what makes the difference is can you utilize that machine tool to its most optimized condition. So that's something that we are really focused on for our next generation of technicians is to expose them to that advanced level technology, make sure they understand it and using it. And we've seen some phenomenal success in that. I think later today you'll probably visit with the Harlow Group. Every employee they've hired to this point is a startup British company it's right here in Virginia uh, that's focused on advanced manufacturing, additive manufacturing, subtractive manufacturing. Um, every machinists they've hired to this point come out of this program. And what we find very intriguing when you start watching these young lads uh, start to go out to that workplace and implement that technology, it's been some of the proudest moments our team has had to see 
when they step across the hall in this launch facility that they're in and they apply that technology in a real world application and to see the productivity that they're getting out of those machine tools, it, it's, it's just one of those very proud moments for our whole team. Uh, almost, almost parental, right? Where you see some growth from someone you consider your child a little bit. I'm gonna take a quick segue and talk about that because I met with a guy yesterday who brought your name up and you offered him a piece of advice that probably will change his life for the good. Uh, do you recognize a name, Clayton Schultz? I do. I was at CCAM yesterday. He brought your name up. Do you remember the piece of advice you gave him? I, do, I don't. He, uh, he said that he finished his two-year, went over to, he, he'd done some work with Rolls-Royce. He's over at CCAM right now. He was considering his third year, and I think he was doing some, um, some automotive-style work. And you look at him and you say, well, if that's what you want to do for the next 30 years, next 40 years of your life, then go ahead. And he goes, Ooh, I didn't think about long term yeah. how many years I got to do this. So I think he's coming back and doing his third year with you guys. Yeah, uh, he. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Clayton has already finished his third year here. Has he? Yeah, um, I think he, he transitioned through that. One, he was one of the first cohorts that went through um, after he went through that automotive experience and then transferred to Rolls-Royce. Yeah. So yeah, I remember Clayton well. He's yeah. a very bright young man. He had some really nice things to say about you, but I was like, hey, I'm gonna speak with Troy tomorrow. Yeah. Let's let's utilize some of this. Yeah, yeah we, we, we tend to be mentors from time to time as well. That's part of what we do. That's, I, why wouldn't you wanna come here and be a part of that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I know you have, you know, hands in a lot of different places, right? You know, not all eggs in one basket. And, and Danville is obviously incredibly important to you. Is there anything you'd like to discuss with our global audience? What's going on in Danville? What, what pieces are you grabbing at? Where you want to grow? If somebody wants to come here, how can they get in touch with you? How can they learn? If they want to support the growth of the manufacturing industry, what can they do to do that? Can you speak on, on some of that for, for that type of environment? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, ultimately, we, as you said, we do um, support a lot of different activities in the region. We, we support our economic development team in the region as well. We have um, the Southern Virginia Regional Alliance here at the Institute. We have. Um, uh, Linda Green leads that organization, which is an economic arm, development arm for the region and the county and the city has as well. We actually travel with them. I've uh, been to Europe several times uh, talking to European companies about uh, the advantage of Danville, Virginia, the cost of manufacturing here. What, what we found is interesting, and, and I think it's, it's things that we overlook from time to time. The United States is a big country, and it's not homogeneous. It's not um, the cost of manufacturing in Danville, Virginia is not equivalent to the cost of manufacturing in the West Coast or in the Northeast. Uh, there's very unique differences in not only culture, but just the cost of living, cost of manufacturing, the, the taxation, there's so many things. So very involved with the economic development team in, in targeting those companies who are looking at a place to call home in America. Where can they land, where that they can be successful in a cost competitive environment that they can hire a skilled workforce. So we do think we have created an environment of support uh, to be able to do that. Uh, from, a, from a global competitive standpoint, uh, we feel like it's uh, not a place in America that you can be more competitive when it comes to advanced manufacturing than here in South South Virginia. Um, but we've worked a long time to position this region to be competitive in that environment. Um, we also, uh, uh, I mentioned to you earlier, we've got a new facility that we are constructing under construction right now. 
Um, it's a 51,000 square foot facility. It's, the, it's, it's branded as the Center for Manufacturing and Advancement. Uh, that particular facility is really focused on new companies coming to the region to have on a landing spot. You're talking about how do you land in Danville, Virginia? Mm -hmm. We have facilities that uh, startup companies can land, high bays, overhead cranes, facilities they can put machine tools in, start hiring uh, employees, doing training, uh, getting ISO certified, connecting to the supply chain. Uh, that's a, that, that will be uh, launched in, uh, that, that uh, facility should be opened in uh, first quarter of 2022. Um, also in that facility, we will have an innovation center that will help companies with uh, additive and, subtract and subtractive technologies to be able to e integrate emerging technologies into manufacturing processes sooner, discover new processes, evaluate new, new capabilities. Uh, also the digital factor we're really focused on from a global competitive standpoint, uh, the digital factory. How do we um, start training and, and providing those resources so that manufacturers, local, new and existing companies in the region can start to implement Industry 4.0 uh, capabilities. So it, it's a lot, as you said, a lot going on in the landscape around us, uh, but we, we, we do do a lot to support in, out of the department that I lead, uh, not only from a workforce development, but that kind of concierge service around supporting companies as they move in to, to make sure they have the resources they need to be su successful when they land. And we're talking about, you know, top-of-the-line technology, state-of-the-art technology, the newest, latest, and greatest. You were telling me about, you know, you have a center now where you can work remotely with ODU, or you're working with working toward working with ODU, but you have a center where some a child or, or anyone, really, can work remotely and go through the training of the programming, anything like that, right? Yeah, we, we all work with Old Dominion University on a manufacturing engineering degree path for students for, and that, the good thing about this program is the incumbent workforce, we have hundreds of technicians in this region that have a two-year technical degree that aspire to uh, earn that next degree, that, that baccalaureate degree in engineering, manufacturing engineering. Uh, a lot of times there's always that uh, gap between, or that challenge of, I'm working full-time raising a family, how do I get my four-year degree, mm -hmm. especially around manufacturing engineering? So we are uh, in development phase of that program right now to where it's students in our current and existing pathways could stay here locally and earn that baccalaureate degree in engineering uh, here in the Danville region without having to, to relocate to the University of ODU in, in the eastern part of Virginia. But also it provides an opportunity for an incumbent workforce who may have 10 or 15 years experience that are now wanting to seek that engineering degree that we'll have an online component and labs here in Danville, Virginia that they can come and do the lab portion of that degree. So we are, we're utilizing all the assets we have not only around optimization and manufacturing uh, uh, integration and optimization but also for engineering training, for skilled technician training, for upskilling. So, uh, it's, it's kind of an all things uh, manufacturing ecosystem that we are we have created here at the Institute for Advanced Learning Research. It certainly sounds like the path to success. Um, manufacturing engineering is not incredibly degreed here in this area, right? So what you're working on will be new to the area and one of the closest ones I believe is Ohio? Yeah, the, the, the manufacturing engineering which you'll find if you kind of look at where those programs are offered at was typically developed and designed around the, the, the mid, Midwest America and the West Coast. Uh, what we have learned is that students who want to pursue that pathway have got to move out of state to pursue that degree. Um, so what we, are, we aspire to do, this would be um, 
you know, there, there is one program in the state of Virginia, Virginia, uh, Virginia State University mm -hmm. uh, has a, a, a small engineering program in Virginia. But what we're trying to do is expand that access to more students in the middle part of the state, southwest, south to southwest part of the state, to give them that opportunity. But more importantly, to strategically align that to the skill sets that manufacturers are asking for. So what, what, what's very unique about this program, Tony, is we are not developing this program again. We brought an industry council together of Rolls-Royce, Goodyear Tire and Rubber, uh, Amphenol, other companies, Kyocera. Um, and we sat down at the table one day and said, if you could develop the world's most impactful manufacturing engineering program, what course content and what would the objectives of the program be? And we sat and whiteboarded that thing for a day with leaders like at Rolls-Royce and others and said in BWXT Technologies, and they said, you know, this is what we need in a manufacturing engineer. And so that's the path that we're on. Uh, we, we are looking at, you know, doing things a little differently. Um, these engineers will be trained in a hands-on applied setting. So it's an engineering technology degree to where versus um, compared to a theory-based engineering program, this will be very lab intensive, hands-on, working in a facility like this and in true live manufacturing sales and focused on innovation, optimization, taking cost out, um, all the things that manufacturers desire to, for that leadership roles to be engaged in. Well, Troy, sitting here with you, I've learned so much. I really have, and I appreciate your time. Sure. Um, it really feels like this is the right way to go for this world of, of engineering and manufacturing. I mean, obviously we have computer science out there, medical sure. and lawyers, and we, all, we need all of these components. But as far as the field that you and I work in, the one that we love so much, this really feels like a, a, a definitive and strong plan, right? And, and I really like what you're doing. Are there any words of advice, any closing statements you'd like to say to anyone who either wants to get into the industry or is struggling in the industry right now and needs some motivation or uh, is struggling in the workforce right now and maybe needs to switch courses and, and come see you guys to, to grow and find a stable job. Is there any advice you'd like to offer for anyone? Yeah, I, I think you know, the advice I have for, you know, it's, it's several different uh, sectors. When it comes to communities, I think they really have to figure out, you know, what are their strengths and build upon them. And, and we, we're building upon a community with has a 150-year legacy in manufacturing. Uh, knowing who you are and what you're good at, I think, is, is very important that I would encourage. And, and you may be great. You, you know, your sector uh, could be IT and, and, and focus on that. How do you become the world's greatest at that? Um, but there, I do think there's communities across this country that um, have the, the ability and, and the desire to, to replicate what we're doing here. And we, we, we're always an open book. We, we, we share our story and walk people through the trail that, that, that we've talked about today. Um, when it comes to the individuals that's pursuing, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that's, um, that thinks that manufacturing is dull and they get this, it has a stigma around it, that old school manufacturing of old greasy shops and dark spaces and, you know, um, not well ventilated, not well conditioned. Um, but to 21st century manufacturing is medical, it's clean, it's, it's, it's epoxy floors, it's white walls, it's, you know, machine tools that, that are highly sophisticated. Um, the technology involved is, is, is no longer a, a repetitive, mundane type activity. It's a very engaging, highly technical, 
where you have to use your brain more than your back, so to speak. Right. And so uh, I would highly encourage any um, students out there or people who are, are looking for an exciting career. Um, as we said earlier, it's so many opportunities um, to enter manufacturing. But, you, you know, I, I, I know one time I met a gentleman that told me that he started his career as a tool and die maker for a Fortune 500 company. And then his, his last job before retirement was a CEO and managing multiple plants for him. So, and he said, we met and he said, Troy, I started my career the same way you did. I was a tool and die maker. So, um, so we, we know that the path to success, there's many paths to success, but um, you know, manufacturing provides that pathway for many people. Yeah, absolutely correct. And I really like this story and we touched on it a little bit. Uh, we're talking about a town that fell upon troubles of the tobacco industry and in which is now partially funding some of these projects now that fell upon the textiles where I think I'm going to get my numbers wrong um, but we spoke a couple of years ago and I want to say something like close to 5,000, 10,000 people lost their job in one day or one week type of thing. It was from all to nothing right away and now you've constructed this environment of learning and technology and engineering which shows in my opinion traveling around the country that any small town that's either on hard times or good times or whatever you want to focus on can create an environment of success, which is something you're showing here where there was a really difficult time and now it's become quite a beautiful, beautiful little city here in Danville in, yeah, in, in Southern it, Virginia. It is. It's just been some very visionary individuals way before me that understood what had to happen to, to transition from um, the loss of large thousands of jobs and there's always challenges with that. Um, as I stated earlier, you know, this for many people, this has been a 15 to 20 year initiative to to understand what, what it, will it take to be successful and how do you transition out. Um, and I think that, that singularly though is, I think what is so unique of what happened has happened in the Danville region is um, it's been a focus on a strategic focus on what, not how many. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the communities that a lot of them I've been involved with, um, there's so many things they're focused on and it gets so fragmented that it's, it's like I used to tell the story, um, you know, you, you have a big pot of money that comes from some organization and say, we want to support 50 organizations and it becomes so fragmented everybody gets one bag of potato chips, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what this community has realized is, is put your eggs in a basket, right? Not all of them in a basket, but as the saying goes, focus on where, you, where you're headed, right? Focus on what's important to you and focus on who you're gonna be. And from a strategic standpoint, um, make those huge investments in what it is that you're, that you're going to be and not, um, try to be too many things. And so right. we've really, fo our, our strategic focus has really been on advanced manufacturing and how do we position this community to, to, to be just that. Create that stable foundation. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Well, Troy, thank you so much. You've inspired me today. I know you've inspired some others as well. I really appreciate you being a part of this MTD Global podcast, TV series, YouTube series, whatever this, this grows into, I want all the success for you it's truly amazing what you've done and it's a, it's a privilege to to call you a friend well thank you tony and thank you and welcome back to danville and i will say it's been a tremendous team effort uh there's been you know 
dozens of people working on this thing day and night. Um, so the credit's not due to me. I'm just part of a, a one piece of a larger puzzle. So anybody uh, you want to give a shout out to today and say thanks? Well, all, all yeah, the hard workers. No, yeah, I, it, it's so many. I, I, I don't want to mention names because I would surely miss someone. But I, I would say, you know, community leaders and college presidents and school superintendents and career and technical directors and teachers in the classroom and. You know, it's it's brought everybody's bottom division. They understand division. They understand the role of economic transformation. How do you transition? How do you help these kids get the skills they need? So it goes from uh, elected officials all the way down to that sixth grade teacher in a classroom. It's like you know, no chain is you know stronger than its weakest link. So mm -hmm. we've got many many links in this chain that's pulling this this initiative along. And and so I've just been fortunate to be part of the ride, right? So <laughs> sure. uh, so so it's it's been a great opportunity. Uh, perfect. Well, I appreciate it. I know they appreciate it. I'll let you get back to work. You are amazing, Troy. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir.